Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked, game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco Cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked, your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart. It's time to get inside the Giants' home. Let's go, let's go, let's go. On Giants.com. I like it, I like it, I like it. And the Giants mobile app. Give me some juice. Part of the Giants podcast network. Let's roll. Welcome to another edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast. Brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the Giants. I am John Schmelk. Today's guest is Doug Farrar. He's the editor for USA Today on their football side. Also the author of The Genius of Desperation, a great book detailing scheme changes in the NFL over the years. We'll touch on that and a whole lot more. Doug, it's good to talk to you, man. I've admired your work for a long time. Hope you're Thank the you. beginning of your offseason, even though we both know there is no offseason, is treating you well. <laughs> uh, I will be a week from today waking up in Indianapolis, in Indianapolis scouting combine, and I am crunching as much draft tape as I possibly can before then. So, yeah, no, offseason. I, I get people saying, hey, you must, you know, you time to rest. <laughs> uh, it's not July, so no, that's not how it works, as so, you know. It, Trust me, I, I feel you. I, you know, for me, it kind of starts a little bit in, in the middle and end of May. You know, you still have OTAs, yeah. but at least the draft is over. But you're right. Right now, last week I spent all week rewatching all the Senior Bowl practice tape, just trying to yep. you know make sure what I saw in person in Mobile was was real. Because <laughs> you know, you can watch these practices live. It's the same thing with watching games, right, Doug? If you don't yep. rewatch it and take your time and actually look at everything, oh yeah, it's it's sometimes bad information. You know what I mean? On you know what you see on first glance. You can get yourself in a lot of trouble with those evaluations if you're not watching it over. I mean, I I will I, I do a podcast with Greg Cosell, who I know you know every week, and um, you know Greg, we will sit there and, and you know tape guys do this. We will sit there and watch a play 15 times. Like, well, what was he like? What's the indicator there? Like, you know, um, Patrick Mahomes is long pass to Nicole Harden where Tayshawn Gibson was looking back. Like, why are you doing that? I'm like, what was the indicator? Or that final uh, completion to Kelsey uh, in regulation set them up to tie it at nineteen. The the uh, they had a they they ran mesh and they somehow perceived that the 49ers were going to run man coverage, which they almost never do in that situation. So you'll sit there and watch something fifteen times, and if you're not, as you said, if you're not doing that, uh, there are going to be some holes in your evals, which is not good. Absolutely. And by the way, we will have Greg Cosell on at during our combine shows next week. And make sure you stop He's by our, our table at Radio Road, Doug. We'd, we'd love to yeah. hang out and at least meet you in person, say hi. And you can check them out on the X's and O's podcast with Greg Cosell. That's the. Yeah. By the way, I've known Greg about 15 years. No one has taught me more about football. He is he is the man. He For all us Cape guys, he is Don Corleone. He's, you know, that's that's the ring you kiss because he's earned it. Absolutely. He is phenomenal. Does a great job. So definitely check out their podcast, guys, if you have the time to get deep into the X's and O's. So let's start there, Doug. You can either take the Super Bowl specifically or the NFL season as a whole. What lessons did you learn from a schematic perspective over the course of this season 
that you think is very informative to how teams should kind of build and design what they're trying to do moving forward? Well, I think, and the Chiefs prove this, and it's something that the Giants may or may not be looking at, is that the myth of the number one receiver. It's really more about volume these days than it is about having a tier of here's your number one guy, here's your number two guy, and all that. Um, there's so much more quick game now. It's so much more, you know, hit your back foot at three steps, hit your back foot at five steps, get the ball out, get the ball out. It's really, and when we say distributor, like a point guard, as it sounds, it really isn't. You want a guy who can run that whole offense, you know, from from short to intermediate to deep. Conversely, and Spags does this, you know, it, obviously he was a giant with the Giants for a long time. He runs, it, it's blitz, but it's also press coverage. It's getting tight in on those guys. And when we talk about the Giants, we'll talk about a pretty radical shift in philosophy from Wink to Shane Bowen. It's it's big. It's like, wow, you guys are going to have to do everything really differently. But like Deontay Banks, uh, when I was doing my corners last year uh, for draft, it's like, well, I kind of kept projecting him to the Giants because of Wink and because Banks was the best press man corner in this class. And I think that showed up on his NFL tape too. So really two things I've seen are that more quick games. So part of the reason you're in quick game is because you don't want those pass rushers from all different gaps and stunts and, and blitzes and whatever. You don't want them getting to your quarterback. So if you can't get to the quarterback, you can, you know, you can deflect the ball or you can at least, you know, pressure him or hurry him or get him off his spot. But how are you going to disrupt the quarterback if you can't get to him? You disrupt the receivers. You affect the timing of the route. So that's one thing. Another thing I've seen is, and this it's a pretty common uh, conversation, so much more for most teams, not the Giants last year, although I think they'll be doing it more this year with Bowen, a lot more too high. That's become the thing. The, the country cover three that we were used to with the you know, Tony Dungy's Bucks and the, the Legion of Boom Seahawks. I mean, you can couple teams run their defenses with with middle of the field closed, but it really is more about um too high and more it's I see it more and more every season over the last three three to five years. It's disguising coverage. It's well, we look like we're in one, but we're in actually in two. We're gonna move this guy back. We look like we're playing off. No, we're playing robber. Um, I think the most dramatic thing I've seen over the last couple season is th seasons um, is the number of coverage switches. Like here's what here's what it is pre snap. Here's what it is post snap. That's another way to disrupt the quarterback without getting to him. No, I'm, I'm with you 100. percent And I think what you've seen from yeah. teams you can, you can early down that it's, way. It's, it's very important to play two high safeties, right, on early downs. I think you have to because if you play yeah. too much man on early downs, you can give a big plays over the top. Teams will run that play action. Mm -hmm. You can max protect even. You get those guys deep over the top against single high, and you can make those big plays. Um, and I think watching Shane Bowen, and why don't we talk about it now, Yeah, he, he that's his framework, right? He's going to start yes. in too high, and he will try to disguise and shift into different things off of that too high coverage, right? So as the right. Giants try to now build out this defense, you have some building blocks. Kayvon Thibodeau, Dexter Lawrence up front, Bobby O'Karakane, the middle linebacker, yep. Deontay Banks at corner. What are the other pieces? We'll see about Xavier McKinney. He's a free agent. What type of pieces do you think they need to build out on this defense in order to run that Bowen system successfully? Yeah, and McKinney had a really good year. Like, yep. wow, he, he really popped off the tape. Well, um, 
Last year, only the Vikings had a higher blitz rate than the Giants, 45.4%. No surprise there, it's Wink. Bowen's Titans had a blitz rate of 22%. Uh, Wink relied heavily on single high coverage, especially cover one. Titans were a big two high defense under Bowen. So there's a lot of changes coming, and it'll be interesting to see which players Bowen sees as his guys and what should be a radically diff- different defense overall now Bowen's a smart guy he's not going to come in okay we're just you know we're going to play too high zone and I don't care that nobody's good at that he's going to adapt to his personnel but you know they do have pieces I mean Dexter Lawrence is the best nose tackle in the NFL by a crushing mark he is one of one and he can also go all over the line and uh you know McKinney upcoming free agent had a great season uh you know the Isaiah Simmons making him more of an edge rusher shows you how much they needed another edge. They need a book in for Thibodeau that can play at that level. I think their secondary, you know, uh, Banks, I think is great. Um, Darnay Holmes and, and Pinnock were underrated in coverage. Okereke is a really good player. So they've got some good pieces. Um, I think maybe definitely another edge rusher. The Leonard Williams trade points to a need for maybe somebody not so much inside, but inside outside. I mean, Jeffrey when, Simmons uh, role, right? That type of role, Jeffrey Simmons role. Yeah. Well, I mean, sort of, although uh, Williams was more like he would flip from end to tackle, whereas Simmons is more edge to off ball. They need a guy who can, you know, I would say they need an edge and they need a um, sort of do it all guy on the line that that would help but i i would say they need at least one reinforcement on the defensive line i think they need probably another linebacker if they lose mckinney they need another safety because this is going to be a two safety team uh for sure so but they have good pieces i mean you know they've, they've got four or five really good players that you can build any defense around it's just a matter of what will they be doing and how will they be doing it and at this point we don't know because it's hard to go it was like when Ed Don the Vikings were from Ed Donatel to Brian Flores and everything just completely changed. Took a while. It 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 does. I mean, you're asking these guys to do different things than they were. Uh, it's more stunt heavy than blitz heavy, and there will be those switched coverages. Um, you know, with the practice rules you have and what you're allowed to do and not do in practice, it, it just takes a while. A lot of times those early games in the regular season are practice games. So that's what it turns out to be. So I will be really interested to see how that defense looks over time. No, I agree. And I apologize for interrupting. I meant that Jeffrey Simmons role, not the Isaiah Simmons role in the defensive line, that kind of three. Oh, no, no, spot. Jeffrey. Yeah, I, I think that's Lawrence. I think that's Lawrence because he is the best nose in football. But for a guy who weighs, what, 340? You can play he, him at three. He, he, can, he can burn you. Out at, at the edge, and he will. I mean, I I saw him chase mobile quarterbacks all the way to the sideline. I'm like, you cannot be that big and be that fast. He's he's what I loved him coming out of college, and he's just one of my favorite players. When I turn on the tape on a Monday morning, I'm like, yeah, I want to watch him. He's one of those guys. No, absolutely. Uh, last thing on, I think it's interesting because Bowen did not play his nose over the center a lot last year with Tennessee. Right. You know, they kind of right. still use that Y9 thing for when Jim Schwartz was there. So I'm sure. curious to see if he adjusts his fronts a little bit. So Lawrence plays over the center more, which he's done so successfully the last mm-hmm. two years. I'm curious to see if he makes that type of front adjustment or not. Well, and the Titans were kind of a four on the floor front. And another another trend we've seen a lot more is uh, either diamond, just five across or bare fronts. Where the bare front, I got into this in my book, um, you're creating – you're trying to create single teams, nose tackles, head over the center. Uh, the ends in this case are to either the outside shoulder of either guard. 
So you're just you're creating those one on ones, and then the the outside linebacker in this case can do whatever. But maybe they'll run more five man fronts, and they can run Lawrence. I mean, Lawrence can line up anywhere and just kick your butt. He's that good. No, absolutely. Last thing on the defense schematically, and then we'll jump over to the offensive side of the ball here, Doug. You know, you mentioned playing man-to-man. I do think on third downs, it's essential to be able to play man-to-man, you know, properly, right? Otherwise, you've got a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, especially guys that can create time back there and scramble, create space. Guy's going to find an empty hole in his own. You're going to be able to, you know, get those first downs. It's just the way the league works now. And I think it's interesting, the importance of the mixing up coverages, right? Because if you play man on every third down, you're going to get those bunches. You're going to get the stacks. You're going to run picks. You're going to free guys up. You know, you're going to do all that sorts of stuff. So I, I, to your point, disguising and mixing coverages up, but being able to play man, I think in those critical third downs, which is what the Chiefs did against the Niners and no other team really did against the Niners. Even Dallas, who plays as much man as anyone, they played a ton of zone against the Niners earlier in the year, right? Um, it's It's just so important to be successful in those critical situations. Yeah, it's funny. I got to talk to Eli Manning for about 15 minutes in, as an, at an event during Super Bowl week in Vegas, and we spent about half the time talking about Spags' plan in Super Bowl 42, <laughs> just what he did. And Eli brought up some things that even I hadn't thought about because, you know, he's obviously very smart. And he said, you know, he did everything you're not supposed to do, and he got away with it. And um, I, it's interesting to me, and I brought this up in various podcasts and articles, that the Chiefs and Niners, neither one of them have a coverage type. They don't really do one thing. And I think that's another, you know, as we talk about trends in the NFL today, if you're stuck in one coverage, you're dead. It That doesn't work anymore. And it's, you know, I think it's the reason that teams are, there's a lot more cover for quarters, which is what it sounds like. It's, it's each defensive back has responsibility for one quarter of the field, but that's, that's a defense where it's easier to match receivers through routes. And you're not just playing the, because like landmark zone, that just sitting there in zone, that's you really can't do that. But you know, just matching your receivers across, uh, pattern matching. I've been a big advocate. I did a three-part article on match coverage like five years ago. Um, you know, so to say that it, it, it as you said perfectly, you can't be a, a we're we do this because it's like you know the Browns were single high man aggressive and all that. And they wound up getting burned with it because you just you can't keep doing the one thing. And you hit a quarterback like C.J. Stroud in the playoffs who rips that stuff to shreds. C.J. against single high last year was thermonuclear. So why don't you change? They they didn't, I mean, over and over and over in that game. And I, Jim Schwartz is a great defense. No one's arguing that. But, like, no disguise coverage. You're just single high, single high, single high all the time. What are you doing? Um you can't do that anymore. You have to mix it up because the offenses are mixing it up so much. Yeah. Carl Banks is a huge advocate of pattern matching. Obviously he got trained by Bill Belichick, not a surprise, right? So you're in zone, but you actually pick up a receiver in your zone. Then just basically is zone, but you're playing man in that zone coverage as well, opposed to the fans like that don't know. Kind of that... it, yeah. The route, it, it's like the, the route comes out, it's zone. And then right when it, you know, the receiver goes this way, you got a switch release or, you know, you're running flood. A big thing now also is four strong where you run the flood to one side and the running back comes out. The Chiefs just murdered. <laughs> they just got him over and over with that four strong stuff. And that's becoming a thing where you just flood one side of the field. And if you're playing zone, you don't have enough people to match up to that. You have to bring people over and then you can hit the ISO, the backside ISO on a four strong because all of a sudden, 
that guy is just, you know, it's, it's zero man to that side and there's not much you can do. So you have to mix things up on defense because offenses are just looking to overwhelm you with personnel and angles and numbers. It becomes this, or Mike Smith, who was used to be the Falcons head coach, like, I don't know, 12 combines ago, um, told me this is, it's going to become more of a matchup league than a pure scheme league. And I think that's played perfectly out the way he said it. But the Jimmy's and Joe's, not the X's and O's. I think fans think yeah. about, you know, that the, you know, your your classic playing area spot drop zone, and that's just not really what NFL teams oh, no, no, do no, no, much no. anymore. Yeah, I've talked to guys about that and said that country cover three, we don't do that anymore because no. we know better. Can't no do one that. does that anymore. Absolutely. You love turf. You're good at it. So you start a turf biz. Business grows. Your savings grow. Become the most celebrated name in turf. Are you ready for all that life brings? Giants Total Podcast is brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the Giants. From game day to everyday, Citizens is made ready for Giant fans with insights, guidance, and solutions. Learn more at citizensbank.com. All right, let's jump to offense here, Doug. You mentioned it, you know, with the Chiefs, the lack of a number one wide receiver. I would say the that is mitigated by the presence of Patrick Mahomes, who is probably the best quarterback I've ever seen, which helps. You know, I went yeah, back, I looked at the last 21 Super Bowls just for this conversation. I'm happy you brought this up because I think it kind of speaks to what we're talking about here. Last 21 Super Bowls, six were won by Tom Brady, three were won by Mahomes, four were won by guys named Manning, two were won mm-hmm. by Roethlisberger, one by Breeze, one by Rodgers, one by Stafford, one by Russell Wilson. All Hall of Famers, more likely than not, I would say probably. We'll see about Russ, right? And then you have the, yeah. the the like, Nick Foles and Joe Flacco, you know, okay, this was right. weird, but it happened games. Yeah. How much is team building now? Just we need to find the guy that can play at a top five quarterback level for some extended period of time, and that's the only way you can really win a Super Bowl these days? Well, if you look at teams who won the Super Bowl in the new millennium, um, how many teams were able to do that with – quarterback play that was subpar 2000 Ravens 2002 Buccaneers Ben did not play well in Super Bowl 40 at the end of the 20 2005 season and the Broncos when they won 50 over the Panthers I mean that was Peyton Manning but you know it was zombie it was Peyton, Peyton Manning. Manning at the end it was not optimal Peyton and he had all those injuries and all that so that's that's four teams in almost 25 years where you win a Super Bowl with subpar Quarterback play. Well, three of those teams, the the Ravens, the Bucks, and the uh the 15 Broncos had like all-time defenses. Yep. And with the Steelers, they had, you know, one of those great defenses as well. It's it's so much to ask that your quarterback it it, it disproportionately affects the rest of your team if your quarterback isn't one of those guys. It's, it's just so much harder because everything else has to be perfect. And there is no wiggle room. There is no margin for error because your quarterback is kind of, oh, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. That, that's really not going to work. So, so team building, it, it's quarterback number one. So let me ask you this. So as you build around this, and look, assuming with, with Daniel's contract, right, he's going to be here next year in one way, shape, or form, right? Yeah. Yeah, they don't they don't have any relief dead money wise until twenty five. Correct. So they, they, it's what you don't want, obviously. And you mentioned Russ, the Russell Wilson situation, where the only way the only reason you're on the team is because your dead cap hit is more than your live cap hit, which is kind of where they you know the Broncos are. You don't want that situation. You'd obviously like him to improve. Um, you know, obviously we don't know what the Giants' draft plan is. Uh, most people are mocking a new quarterback. 
Yeah, again, if one's available too, yeah. right? You just don't know who's going to be there at six. Right. And I think then, and this is the part of team building I'll ask you about now. You know, you take a look at the best quarterbacks in the league and the guys that win these Super Bowls. Predominantly, and there are exceptions to the rule, they're first round top 10 type picks, right? Like yeah. there are, you know, Lamar was in the first round guy. You know, Dak Prescott's a, you know, day two, uh, day three guy, actually. So yeah. there are some guys that, that break the mold. Uh <laughs> Are you a fan of what the Packers used to do and what a lot of, you know, the Niners did back in the day where you just keep drafting quarterbacks, you keep throwing darts, even if it's day two, day three guys, and hope you eventually find something if you're not in the position to use a premium pick on a quarterback? And maybe the Giants will be. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see about that, right? But, right. you know, what what what's your take on how you try to find that quarterback if you don't have them, which is really one of the toughest things to do in all sports? I think your backup quarterback is, I mean, you you guys found this out last year with Tyrod Taylor. Uh, your backup quarterback is one of your most important players. Um, I'm in Seattle, so I was here when Russ was still the quarterback, and they would bring Geno Smith in and then release him and bring him back and release him and bring him back and release him. Um, Russ had that injury his last year in Seattle, and Geno came in and played really well, and I kept him afloat. And then when Russ left, one of the reasons they made that huge trade, uh, the Seahawks did, was because, hey, and Gino, I think we got something here. So, yeah, I'm, I am a fan of that. I don't, you, you know, you 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 put all your, a lot of your eggs in that positional basket, but you can't put it all in one guy. Because, you know, Andy Reid, by the way, had, going back to his days with the Eagles, has been brilliant at taking guys who were, you know, okay, like league average or league below average, maximizing their strengths and they would go out there for three or four games. I mean, Kevin Kolb got that $60 million contract from the Cardinals because of what Andy set him up to do. So yeah, you have to have, you have to have a good backup quarterback. That's one of your most important guys. So yeah, I am a fan of that. All right. And again, folks, the reason I bring that up, you know, Joe Shane has said that they have need to add to the quarterback room this off season. We'll see how they do yeah. it, whether it's in veteran free agency to Doug's point in the draft, We'll see how they handle, but you know Daniel Jones is going to be here, and he's likely going to be the starter in week one if he's healthy. So just something yeah. to keep an eye on as we move forward. Um, want to touch on one more quarterback thing, Doug, before we jump to the book and some historical stuff, which I really enjoy. Sure. Um, you put, I know you're going through the college shape. I'm doing the same thing. I haven't gotten mm -hmm. to that second tier of quarterbacks with with Penix, McCarthy. I watched mm -hmm. them on TV a lot. I haven't watched the actual tape yet, but I did right. watch every snap of the top three of Williams, May, and Daniels. I saw you had two little mm -hmm. quick scouting reports up on Daniels and May. And I think it's yeah, scattered, I've, I, I don't want to say I've I've watched like two to three games. I like to watch five or six, so I'm not done. But uh, I mean, Penix, I'm from Seattle, so I, <laughs> I've done that tape. Uh, Williams, I need to catch up on May and McCarthy and Jaden Daniels. I'm pretty I'm pretty much there. OK, so I, I think May, Daniels and McCarthy are the three guys we'll touch on then. Right. Yeah. I think depending on who you talk to. Some people like Daniels better than May. Some people like May better than Daniels, and that's kind of a flip-flop situation. I personally have May in front of Daniels. Um, I'll give you my reasoning. I'm curious to get your take on it. Sure. One, I think May's running ability is underrated. I think he's a much better mover mm -hmm. than other people give him credit for. Oh, I mean, no, he's, he's a good runner. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I think Jaden Daniels, you know, he's special in that regard in terms of big plays, right? Um, Daniels, I think more accurate downfield thrower. You mentioned the slot fades oh. to neighbors. It's all over the tape. It's everywhere. Ridiculous. It's neighbors, slot fade, neighbors, slot fade. It's everywhere. But I, I'll, I'll just break in passes of 20 or more air yards last season. He had 22 touchdowns and no interceptions. Yeah, that's it's not bad. In the, and this wasn't like division three football. This was in the sec. That's that doesn't happen. Correct. I will say this though. And this is why I think I have made a little bit ahead of him. I think in the NFL now, Doug, you have to be able to complete passes in the intermediate crowded areas in the middle of the field. 
And Drake May's tape is littered with that. Now, there's some bad throws yeah. in those areas too. But you watch the Georgia Tech too tape, many. for example. Like, there's just like throwing people open, middle of the field, small areas, mm -hmm. bang, bang, zip, zip, zip. And I love the way that from college to pros can convert a little bit. And I do think Daniels was a lot of open players on the perimeter, not as much crowded stuff in the middle. And you brought this up in your little tweet too. I was surprised how many of the easy, simple throws that Jaden Daniels just misses. That's like five yeah. yards down the field. And, and that's something that I'm like, how are you so accurate deep? But then those, those easy short passes, you're, you're missing them a little bit. Now, I think all three guys are top 10 worthy, including Caleb Williams. Right. I think that's great. But I, to me, that's kind of what differentiates the two guys for me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I have more of an issue. I, I would put Daniels above me, and I'm struggling not to put Daniels as my top quarterback overall. Ooh, I like it. I, Tell I, me. I need to watch more Williams before I make that definitive statement. But um, And with Daniels, I got to watch tape with him uh, on Zoom the day before he won the Heisman. So I, I, had a, I have a little more insight into his process and what he's, what he's thinking. I think, well, the problem with May, I mean, there are just two, and I, I, I know his offensive line wasn't great. His fever, I, I, the surrounding cast was not great. And Daniels gets pilloried for, well, you have Malik Neighbors and all these other guys. Well, he also made them better. Um, May misses a lot of stuff uh, in the, I would say, 8 to 15-yard area. I mean, wildly bad throws. He like has three games off. at the end of the year where way he gets off. very scatter shot in the middle of the field. You're right about and that. And was, that was on tape last year, and the red zone numbers are really not good. Um, I like May. I think he – I would probably give him an early second-round grade. Daniels, I would say wow. mid to high first round. Uh, McCarthy, who I also like, I think there's a lot of Kirk Cousins there. Um, better runner than people think. Much better deep thrower than people think. I day think with Daniels – Day two right, in your opinion, day two guy? I would give him a mid second round grade. Yeah, me too. Now with quarterbacks, with that, that could, you know, if if you think he is a mid second rounder and he's a quarterback, he goes in the mid first round because you have to bump it up a, a whole round, as we know. Um, with Daniels, that that intermediate stuff, and I agree on that. There, he'll put an extra hitch when he's unsure of coverage. And all of these guys, when they get to the NFL, the coverage switches we discussed. Quarterback prospects now have to deal with far more of that than any in in the past. So that's a thing. And it's going to be a thing for all these guys. And it's it's why I like CJ Stroud, you're not a rookie. Uh, this is some kind of like sleight of hand where he's actually been in the NFL for five years and he got plastic surgery. And like, okay, you were this other guy. What Stroud was able to do is so remarkable. But um I think with Daniels, it's it's just because yeah, he threw to some wide open guys, but those those fades, man, those deep balls, and it wasn't just fades; it was all over the field. I mean, there were touchdowns, fade touchdowns, where it was, you know, cornerbacks right behind this guy, and he just throws it here. So he's got that. He's got that location. Tremendous runner. Um, very few top tier draft prospect quarterbacks can say this. He completed over seventy percent of his passes last season. And he averaged 11.5 yards per attempt. And going back to when I was scouting Robert Griffin in 2012, Griffin had that over 70%, over 10 yards per attempt. If I see those two things together in a high conference player, I'm like, okay, this sets you apart. This makes you different. So the more I've watched Daniels over the last few months, the more I'm like, 
and I, I, I need to go back and watch Caleb Williams more before I make this statement. But if I come out of this thinking he's my QB one, it wouldn't really surprise me. All right, two, like two quick follow-ups here, Doug, and then I want to jump to the history stuff, okay? Yeah. Uh, one, you said you watch a lot of Penix. Curious your take on him. If you take the medicals out of it, because we don't know what's Medicals are huge. Medical. I think medicals without the huge. medicals, yeah. I think without the medicals, he's a mid-first-round guy. Okay. Fair enough. I, I, I think I, that would not surprise me. I, I think, yeah, yeah, I think early second, late first. But I think he'll yeah. get picked somewhere in the middle of the first, to your point, everyone gets elevated up, right? By um, the way, the only reason Penix isn't the best deep fade thrower in this class is because uh, Jaden Daniels is. But he also does that tremendously well. Very smart player. Um, the Michigan game revealed some things that I want to go back and look at a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, great player. I mean, I, it, it, my comp for him is actually Geno Smith. Yeah, I think he's that. a great downfield yeah. thrower. Great, great. Yeah. Him and Daniels are both awesome downfield yeah. throwers. If you want to, so I, you know, the medicals great. could put him in the fourth round. Yeah. The medicals could make him undraftable. The medicals could put him mid first. I, you know, that's he's. It, it's rare that a prospect is this dependent on that, but he certainly is. All right, and then the other follow up, and then we'll get to the historical stuff. Yeah. Um, it just shows you how hard it is to scout these quarterbacks, right? Like I watched a ton of CJ Stratton in college last year, and in that Ohio State offense. Until you got to the national championship game against Georgia, when he did some of that, you know, some of the off schedule stuff you liked, there was no reason to think he was going to be this advanced that early. If you watched him play at Ohio State all year round with the way he played in that offense, and it just shows you we can watch all the tape we want. These evaluators can talk to all the people that they want. Until you see the quarterback in your situation, you have no freaking idea how good this guy or bad this guy is going to be. It's hard. It's. As much as any position in any sport, it's I would say with quarterbacks, it's ninety percent above the neck. Yeah, and you can you can you know you can get a lot off tape how a guy processes. Oh, he saw this and he did that, or he didn't, or you know when this guy gets to the NFL, he's just going to have no clue. You can you can extrapolate a lot from tape, but really, unless you're sitting down with the guy and you have him on the whiteboard and you bring him in for a team visit and say, okay, okay, he gets it. And and Stroud, that was a rare thing. It, it, it that doesn't happen. The last guy I saw who had that much on the ball was Andrew Luck in 2012 when Bruce Arians threw his 700 page playbook right at Luck's head, and Luck went, "Oh, okay, we can do that." But that you know that happens every decade or so. So it's tough. It's because so much of it is, you know, what what's going on between the ears, and you don't know that from tape. I mean, you can get an idea, but you don't really know. Right, and it, quarterbacks are so impacted by the surroundings too, and what you're asking them to do that that's yep. going to impact that entire evaluation. I'm with you. On well, that. that's the other thing. Stroud was without, you know, one to three of his top three receivers for the season. Yeah, due to injury. I mean, the, the guy just did, did everything you could possibly want. It was ridiculous. You're ready for a change. Payday comes early with citizens, so go to that retreat. New you moves to the country. Now you're raising goats and launching a lifestyle brand. Are you ready for all that life brings? Giant fans love a winner. It's why they love Citizens Day. They 2022 Best Bank in the U.S. by the banker as the official bank of the Giants and sponsor of the huddle. Citizens is made ready for Giant fans and fans of Big Blue. Learn more at citizensbank.com. All right, Doug. So I read this book over the summer. It was one of my projects. It's called The Genius of Desperation. The innovation, the schematic innovations that made the modern NFL. It's an awesome book for the fans that want to learn more about scheme. I really suggest you go to Amazon, you go check it out, you buy it. It's terrific. And I want to get to how it affects the modern NFL here, Doug. But first, I've learned a lot about stuff in the past that I didn't know. Like, I didn't know who Sid Gilman was and what a big innovator he oh, was yeah. in the NFL. 
And that's a name I think a lot of fans don't know. You know, I, I knew I didn't realize how close Bill Walsh was to, to Paul Brown and how tight oh, that yeah. connection was and why he didn't end up doing what he did in Cincinnati that he did in San Francisco, right? So just talk about some of the historical nuggets in there that you think fans might find interesting that that they probably don't know about. I think the most interesting guy to, to write about in that book was Clark Shaughnessy, who George Hallis hired as a consultant in uh, the 30s for 2000 a month, which in the 30s, that was big money. Um, he brought different iterations of the wing T, which was the primary offensive concept at the time, uh, to the point where the Bears beat the Redskins 73 to nothing in the 1940 NFL championship. Um, he did so many developments on defense. He brought the middle guard in to stop the shotgun. And, and, you know, just throughout his life, he was such an innovator. And most people don't even know who he is. So a lot of it was unearthing stories like that. Yeah, Sid Gilman uh, was a Rams head coach for a bit in the late 50s, really came of age in the AFL with the Chargers throughout the 60s. And I'm not the first person to say this, nor will I be the last. The, the modern passing game, the floods we were talking about, uh, you know, the the distribution and, you know, receiver location and all that. It's a big Greg Cosell term, which he'll, he'll probably give you at the combine. Um, there, the modern passing game, there's the passing game before Sid Gilman, passing game after. The passing game after is the modern passing game. And that was true for Sid and all his acolytes. Certainly Don Coriel had a lot of that three-digit Sid stuff. Um, and even today, Bruce Arians was a big Sid Gilman guy. A lot of his concepts came from there. Um you know, you look at what Andy Reid does. You look at what Kyle Shanahan does. There's a lot of that stuff there. So um, I had read a book called Inverting the Pyramid by Jonathan Wilson. It was a great book, chronological schematic history of soccer, going back to like the late 1800s. And I thought, well, gosh, there has to be a book like that about football, where you're taking, you're going through history, like how things change. And the genius the, the desperation is offense comes up with this. We have to come up with something to stop it. And that goes back to, you know, how you stop the shotgun, the, you know, the 46 takes out the pro set. Uh, you stop the West Coast offense with the zone blitz. So I looked around for a book like that about American football, and there wasn't one. So I thought, well, I guess I'll have to write it. Yeah, it's a great book. And you I read, think you write the book, you want to read, right? It, that's, you know. Absolutely. And, it, and, and it's all cyclical, right? You go back now, yeah. teams bring concepts back now. That yes. worked in the 80s. And then, yes. oh, why do you think we're going back to too high stuff now? And guess what? Soon teams are going to start running the ball with more power and gap scheme. Oh, you can't have two safeties deep on every play because they're going to run it on you. Your linebackers are too small. Then teams going to have to adjust back. The, yep. the, the, the cyclical nature of this, how schemes yes. reemerge and then disappear yep. and come back again as teams readjust. Because, you know, there's 11 guys. You can only do so much, right? It's it, I, I just think it's fascinating. Well, you see all these teams. And I, I first noticed it with the Patriots about four years ago. I'm like, Bill's running bare fronts. I hadn't seen those since like the late '80s, and now all these teams are running bare fronts. So, yeah, that this this stuff comes back, and you know, it'll move from three four to four three to three four to four three. And now base defenses—that's another thing. Nickel is a new base. It, yep. Base is four two five. When I hear three four and four three, I'm like, mm, it's not really that, but. Yeah, uh, it is cyclical. And what I wanted to do was the main story arc was how how does this change that? How does this affect that throughout history? Um, that was really the mark I wanted to hit as far as because, you know, 
Greg has his own book. Uh, you know, Pat Kerwin did a good book, really good book. Tim Layden, who was with SI, did, you know. So there are those scheme books out there. Uh, obviously, uh, Finding the Winning Edge by Mr. Walsh is it. <laughs> um, but what I wanted to do was bring that chronological, this and that element to it. Like, how do things change through time and how do those things work sequentially? Yeah, absolutely. And and let's wrap it up here. We'll we'll bring it back to the present. And I think this is why the Shanahan school guys have been so successful. If you look at Sean McVay's offense with Jared Goff and you compare it to Matthew Stafford, they're they don't look alike at all. Like they're they're completely no. different. Uh, you see how no. Kyle Shanahan has gone away from the outside zone and now it's more gap scheme, right? It's like these guys, they haven't just stuck with what they do. They've adjusted as they've gone and they've changed things. I know the big joke four years ago was that, oh, this guy met Sean McVay. I want to go hire him as my head coach. You know what the funny thing is? It's kind of worked. All those yeah. guys that got hired in those cycles, they're damn good. And they're good yeah. offensive coaches. It, it's just yeah. the way they've been able to adjust and not stay married to what they do, I think is what mm -hmm. has made that coaching tree successful. Yeah, and I, uh, this is true of uh, Kyle. It's true of uh, Mike McDaniel, who went to the Dolphins from, and he was Kyle's running game coordinator. Uh, Sean McVay, who had that past with with pre-snap motion is another thing we see so much more of now. And I think the rise of pre-snap motion, the prize, uh, rise of coverage switches, not a coincidence. Because now everyone's motioning pre-snap. Coverage switches, when you think about it, that's defensive pre-snap motion. And you're whether you're reacting to what you see or you're just trying to fool the quarterback. Um, so, yeah, to go back to your original point about how things are different in the NFL – there's so much more that happens before the snap. And that's why your quarterback has to be a brilliant pre-snap to post-snap diagnostician. More than arm talent, more than anticipation, more than anything right now, I think that might be the most important quarterback attribute of all of them is how can you see pre-snap and see post-snap and how quickly that, that switch flips in your head. That might be the biggest thing. And you wouldn't have said that even five years ago. So that's, you know, that's how the NFL is speeding along schematically and how much everything has changed. Let me do one quick follow-up here, Doug, real quick, because we didn't talk about Dable and Mike Kafka and what they do with the Giants yeah. offense. Players aside, how would you classify their scheme? Because I do think it's a very interesting mix of what mm -hmm. Dable had in Buffalo, which is more static, more spread out. Then you have the Kafka stuff, which I think has a little bit more motion and more kind of bunchy yeah. stuff. How would you classify what the Giants do from an offensive point standpoint schematically with those two guys kind of combining what they like to do from an offensive perspective. Yeah, it's well, Dable is so good at man beaters. He's so good at getting guys open and, and Kafka is good at that too. It's, you know, and it's, I don't know what's going to happen with Saquon because I know he's a free agent. And there's been, you know, money stuff. If they get a guy in the draft, if they sign someone in free agency, I think the run scheme is malleable. I, I do think as we touched on, they need, a little help but really i mean andrew thomas is great and evan neal was turning it up before he got hurt i think and i like schmitz as a i kind of comped him to alex mack when he came out of school uh they got to get a couple of guards because the other thing is man when you get that ball out you're not really running around you're you're in the pocket um so i think their run scheme is it's variable depending on the back they have and the, and the line they have and i think you're going to see some changes on, the, on that offensive line as well so it's a it's a downfield passing game. It's you know you want a mobile quarterback. I don't think Dable would prefer a guy who just sits there in the pocket. Obviously, he didn't have that in Josh Allen. And Jones has been an underrated athlete. Um, 
So I, you know, I think it's, it's play action based. It's boot based. There's some pre-snap motion, but really it's about, and this is a Dable construct and he's really good at it, getting guys open downfield, you know, running those route concepts and switches and stacks and whatever uh, floods to get guys open to make it easier for the quarterback that, that you know, that, that's what you want to do. Absolutely. Doug, I know we touched on a lot already before we say goodbye, tell the folks anything you want them to know about what you're up to, what you're doing uh, that they should go check out. Thanks. Uh, yeah, over at touchdownwire.usatoday.com. We're doing all kinds of draft stuff, free agency stuff, and uh, the genius of desperation, which you were kind enough to mention. And maybe someday I'll write another book, although that took a lot out of me. <laughs> Might be a while. That's awesome. And of course, check out the X's and O's podcast with 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 uh, Doug yes. and Greg Cosell as well. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Yeah, Doug, definitely when you're in con when you're in the you were on a radio row, right? You know, like the all the interviews and everything. Come by, say hello. We'd love to just, you know, meet in person. And uh, say what's up. Enjoy your trip. We'll see you out there. And thanks for joining us on the John Settle Podcast, brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the Giants. I'm John Schmelk for Doug. We'll see you next time. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked, game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco Cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked, your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart.